Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I am Patty Negri, psychic, medium, and good witch, and your host for this hour journey into the other world. You might recognize me from my regular appearances on Travel Channel and now Discovery Plus's Ghost Adventures, or from my book, Old World Magic for the Modern World. But this is my baby. This is The Witching Hour. What is The Witching Hour, you may say? Well, it's actually really late at night when the veil between the worlds is the thinnest and magic happens. But this witching hour is whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. What this witching hour is me, yeah, giving you my lifetime of experiences of education, of the paranormal, of spirituality, and magic. But it's mostly about my guests. I bring you the very, very best guests all over the world. The world leaders in magic, occult, science, metaphysics, spirituality, and all things supernatural. And today's guest is no... Ah, she fits right into all of them, I must say, and I am thrilled to have her. I am meeting her for the first time myself. I have been so excited all week. Let me introduce you to Lilith Dorsey, M.A. Hails from many magical traditions, including Afro-Caribbean, Celtic, and Indigenous American spirituality. Their traditional education focused on plant science, anthropology, and film at the University of Rhode Island, New York University, and the University of London. And their magical training includes numerous initiations in Santeria, also known as Lusimi, Haitian Voodoo, and New Orleans Voodoo. Lilith Dorsey is also a voodoo priestess and in that capacity has been doing successful magic since 1991 for patrons, is editor, publisher of Oshun African Magical Quarterly, filmmaker of the experimental film documentary Bodies of Water, Voodoo, Identity and Transformation, and choreographer, performer for jazz legend Dr. John's Night Tripper Voodoo Show. They have been committed to providing accurate and respectful information about the African traditional religions and are proud to be published black author in such titles as Voodoo and Afro-Caribbean Paganism, 55 Ways to Connect to Goddess, The African-American Ritual Cookbook, Love Magic, Orishas, Goddesses and Voodoo Queens, and the newly released Water Magic. I am proud to welcome, welcome Lilith. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Patty. This is so exciting. Like, I've been following you for a long time, so it's great to be able to be on the oh, show. That is beautiful. And you are here from New Orleans, right? Yes, yes. I finally moved to New Orleans after visiting, like, you know, five, six times a year. I finally made the jump, so I'm home. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, I went last year for the very first time ever and fell in love. I will be back around Halloween this year. I guess a good time to go. Um, but yeah, I see the love of the city there, especially for magical people such as I, you and I. Um, so how did you fall into this world? I don't know a lot about you, and I'm, I don't know that all my guests do or don't. How did you end up this beautiful Lilith? Well, people always ask. My parents named me Lilith, so it's not a name really? I took or anything like that. So yeah, I was born Lilith. <laughs> yeah, right. They got that witchy name in there. So there was always this kind of sort of recognition of the spiritual and both sides of my family have spiritual people going way, way back, although I'm of a certain age. So they didn't talk about it the way young witches can now. And I'm really proud that this is the world we live in today where people can just share their magic and, and their heritage and have it something that's going to be celebrated. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. 
Um, also that you bring in, because I work in many different traditions and kind of throw them all in one big cauldron, I say, but you do the same thing, but you really like voodoo and Santeria. How do you combine it? Do you have, have you created your own practice and belief system from within them or pick and choose? I'm pretty much a traditionalist. So it was sort of circumstances that made me practice the way I practice. First, I joined my temple here, the New Orleans Voodoo Spiritual Temple, and I went on to open my own New Orleans-style voodoo temple with me and my godchildren. But over the years, things happened. I had a case where I really needed justice, and a good friend of mine was a La Regla Lacumi Santera, and she said, well, there's this thing we can do, and you can get justice in this situation if you initiate, and we move forward. So I did. And it, it was kind of the same way, too, with my Haitian voodoo initiations. It it was a really difficult time in my life, and I was teaching at a UU church in New England, and they said, we got this new minister at the UU church, and she's a Haitian voodoo mambo, and <laughs> she went to Harvard Divinity, and she's a drummer, and she's great, and her name was Bonnie Devlin, and she passed a couple of years ago, unfortunately, but just being there with her and being able to work with her in the tradition with somebody who was so close and so wonderful, it just, that's, you know, I, I didn't have a choice at that point, and I was really happy about it, so it was less of me kind of picking and choosing and more life circumstance that said, here's this person, here's this person who wants to teach you and, and share their ways with you. And I was just so excited about that, that I could learn from authentic practitioners and now in turn teach my own students. That's beautiful. Um, and I agree with you. I love that what the age has become, that it's okay to be outside spirituality and new real spiritual versus regular religions and things. Um, and that you're bringing in so many that people do have such misunderstandings about. What do you think is the big, when people hear Santeria or voodoo or all that, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding of, you know, John Q. Public? I think they think that it's evil, that it's less than, that it's sexualized, all these things that it really isn't. I mean, there is an element of defense magic because we're talking about something that was created and you know lived on through an enslaved people, through oppressed people, through colonized people. So obviously, if you're in that situation, you're going to have spells and rituals and magic that helps you sort of stay alive and combat that. So it does have those things more so than some, I would say, of the European traditions. But the reality of it is, is it's very strong emphasis on ancestors, on having the right character, on doing the proper thing for you. Everybody's different. And I think that's one of the reasons that it is the best way to learn is from a teacher, because they can show you that individualized attention and say, oh, you're a person who works well with this type of magic or this type of spell work or this type of training. And another person might be completely different. So it allows you to have that relationship. That's also like a family, you know, yeah. you can depend on people and in turn, you can help them out when they need help. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so, and it, plus the it, it, paganism in general, it's like we go inside, we figure it's not because somebody else is telling us this is right and this is wrong. It's learning that that self-guidance of what to do and not to do. And that does take more than often reading a book. <laughs> it's working with somebody to figure it out. But speaking of books, you have some amazing stuff out. Um, again, tell me about your latest book. My latest book is Water Magic. 
and that's published by Luann, and it's part of a series. I'm not writing all four. I only wrote the Water Magic one, but that was the first one, and it was so much fun to write because I don't necessarily think of myself as a water person, and I think a lot of people are like that. There's one element they kind of jive with, you know, and I'm, I'm an Aries, and I'm Libra rising and a Libra moon, so water is like, what? There's no water in my chart, but when I started thinking about it and writing the book, I realized I do have a connection to the Orisha Oshun. I'm a daughter of Oshun in the Lakumi tradition. So she's the river. She's the sacred energy of the river. So there is that kind of watery energy in there. If I look about where I live, I grew up in Brooklyn, right kind of on, you know, near the Verrazano Bridge, which is where the East River goes out and meets the sea. So there's this connection to water right there. Now in New Orleans, most of it's below sea level. I live right next to the canal, which is down the road from the Mississippi, which is about a half hour from the lake, which if you keep going the other way, it's the Gulf. So it's like there's just water, water everywhere. And looking into the book, it was fascinating because they wanted me to put together everything there is to know about water. So there's astrology in there, there's tarot, there's a whole bunch of different water legends from all different cultures. I was fortunate enough to have some guest contributions from a Taino elder who talks about Taino shamanism and the role of water in their culture. My dear friend, witch doctor Utu wrote about the role of water and you know folklore in the Niagara region because that's where they had their ritual drum group, the dragon ritual drummers. So there was different people from all over the world that really came together to help me put this book together and share with everybody everything that water is. So it was fascinating. That is beautiful. As you say, you're not very much water, and I'm looking this beautiful blue-green outfit, eyes. <laughs> I see water everywhere. Um, and so with this book, so somebody going, okay, I need to know about this, water. What would you, if you say water element, but versus the goddess, goddesses and things, what would people know about why they need more water in their life, in, in your explanation? Well, our bodies are mostly made up of water. Our hearts and our, our minds are an even higher percentage of water. So we have water with us. We have water to live. There's water all around us. So water's going to be there whether you like it or not. So <laughs> a lot of people are writing me now and going, oh, I have a hard time. And I'm like, but it's already there. Just recognizing that it's already there within you. And then it encompasses so many other things. You know, a lot of different cultures think about water as being the connection to the ancestors or the connection to the divine. When people think about emotions, that's usually given a watery nature or watery characteristics. So there are, everybody has emotions, everybody has ancestors, everybody has water in their body. So I think that this book gives people a way to access that in new and different ways so they can make it work for them in the best way possible. That is beautiful. And actually, I think it's in this weird time that we're in right now, which we can talk about, too. I think it's a perfect time to bring the element of water in all its aspects with the pandemic and everything that's going on in the planet. Um, if we need anything, it's flow, it's water, it's, uh, it is ancestors, it's emotion, it's all those things that go into it. So thank you for writing that book. <laughs> thank oh, you. you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so what is your thoughts? Again, I'd like to get current on things of this year we've gone through. Do you think there's a bigger purpose there? Do you think how we're coming out of it as a, as a humanity, as a spiritual being, not spiritual being? I would love your take on it. I 
mean, I, I think you're right. It definitely, I, I didn't think that the Water Magic book would be so relevant. I obviously didn't know it was going to release during a pandemic. I released two books during the pandemic. I didn't know that was going to happen. But somebody said to me the other day, you know, this is a watery pandemic. It's spread by vapor. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. I didn't even think about that, <laughs> that this is the thing that is changing all of our lives in such a drastic way. But the one thing, you know, with all the things that have happened and all the tumultuous change and all the difficulties everybody's been going through, to me, I've just been trying to focus on what is it making us do differently? You know, a lot of us are at home. A lot of us are cooking. A lot of us are gardening. A lot of us are spending more time with our family. Things that are really important and and we didn't necessarily have time for before because we had to go do a bazillion other things. And I think these things are really valuable and having everybody rediscover that, even though it was under difficult circumstances, I think should be considered a plus because we have so few things to be considered, you know, check marks on the good side of things these days. But this is one of them, you know, knowing how to make your own meals, knowing how to make your home sacred and safe and knowing how to grow your own food and your own medicine and, and things that are beautiful. I, I think that's so powerful and we should all celebrate that. I agree. Yeah. I think it was like a big wake up call. We just had talked about becoming numb and just asleep at the wheel. And it was just like, you know, slap on the face and go to your room and think about it. Oh, okay. What is important? Are we going to make it through this? Um, so what was the other book you released during the pandemic? Wow, that's very productive. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know how I'm doing it. Uh, the other one was Orisha's Goddesses and Voodoo Queens. And I'm so happy. I checked the other day. It's still number one on the goddess list after 11 months. So that's amazing to me that people are really getting the message. And it's all about, you know, the divine feminine and how we can celebrate that and sort of unlearn all these things that the patriarchy has taught us for hundreds of years and realize that it's not really, you know, all the things I said about, you know, traditional religion, the divine feminine was seen as dark or evil or highly sexualized. Not that sex is a great thing. Sex is a great thing, but this was sex in a bad way. And, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that either. <laughs> So it was about sort of reclaiming those things and learning it, the truth that was always out there, but that had been suppressed for so many years and how to celebrate that. And that people are getting the message that people are, you know, writing me that it changed their lives. They can really celebrate who they are. It's just so meaningful. And I feel so blessed and thankful. Mm, that's beautiful. So now somebody would go, what are Orishas? Orisha, it comes from, I, I have an anthro degree, so I have to go back to the linguistic. Good, it comes go, go, from go. the words ori and sha, which it, ori means head to, in the Yoruba, and sha, which is the root word for ashe, which is like our universal life force, our energy, our spirit that goes through all things. So this talks about the spirit that sits on your head. So it's the energy that guides you. It's the energy that helps you. It's the energy that's always there. So we can recognize these forces and do what we can to work with them to make our lives the best possible lives we can have. That's beautiful, beautiful explanation. Um, 
So if somebody, again, people who listen to my show are seekers of some sort, they're different different ideas of what they have, what would your best advice be? You are a teacher, you are a leader, you're an author, you're, what is your best advice for somebody to figure out their path? They're sitting there going, I'm lost. I, I, I don't, whatever I grew up with believing maybe isn't working for me, but, ah, uh, you know, it's like being in a candy store and a kid and I, I don't know what to do or where to go. I, I usually tell people to go to their ancestors first. Those are the people that loved them when they were alive. And I don't mean, you know, crazy old uncle, whatever the hell his name is, who you didn't like. I'm not talking about him. <laughs> I'm talking about going back hundreds and hundreds of years. Those people that you maybe not even met, but they went through pandemics. They went through struggles. They went through hardships and they can help you. They can help guide you. And, and something simple as setting up a space for them where you maybe leave them a cup of coffee or a glass of water and just go there and light a candle and, and think about the things you're really struggling with and ask for wisdom and guidance to be directed into the right place to find what you need. You know, it's not always about what you want. Sometimes it's about what you need. And I think that focus is really important because people think they should. And I did it too when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, and I wanted to run out and learn everything and do everything. Sometimes things take time. And sometimes the same way you can't just get the keys to the car and drive, you have to take the written test and then you have to get, learn how to three point turn. And even though cars do it for you now, but you still had to learn it. You know? <laughs> You do have to learn it because well, I, I don't trust way. that yet. I, mean, I know, right? I'm horrible at it. So, but you know, there's these things that you have to learn. Even if you've been doing it your whole life, you still have to learn this is the normal way of doing it. And then you can go off book the same way anything else is. You know, once you know it really well, then you can go off book. So I think in the beginning, it's about learning, learning from people you trust, learning from good people, getting guidance from your ancestors. If you're really not sure, go to somebody you trust who's recommended and get a reading and see which way you should go and then see what works for you. You know, I would not have initiated with any of my teachers if it didn't feel like home, if it didn't feel like family, if it didn't feel like it was somebody I could trust, you know, because I have to go to them when there's situations, you know, financial or health or romantic or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and it's creating what you said, that family again, that tribe, because we need that now because the traditional, the old school way isn't working so much. You know, three generations of family working together, mom and dad and grandparents and the kids and they bring their, we don't, we don't have that anymore. So we're creating that and I'm seeing it in so many ways, both spiritual and not spiritual, but people are creating these little pods of people and clans of people to support system themselves. It's true. I mean, some of us weren't necessarily given the best birth family, so we have to do what we can with our chosen family and our spiritual family and use them for support and guidance and assistance whenever we need it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been working with a lot of really young people lately. They are different than us. We're like same generation. I love whoever they are. What There's all these names for them, but they're kind of amazing. And a lot of people from our generation don't understand it. But I, have you noticed that? And working with young people, that their thought processes are different? They're... It's true. It's true. They really are. I mean, my God kids range from, actually, one of them has a birthday today. I think they just turned, I want to say, 
17 up to, you know, 87. So they, my God, kids range all in there. But yes, the younger ones, they do approach things differently with a different mindset. And I celebrate it. I really do. I mean, I think it keeps us all young and all sort of thinking outside the box because they're given these opportunities that we didn't have. And I'm grateful. That's, that's what I fought for. You know, I, I wrote my first book, right after I got out of grad school and my daughter was young and I wanted her to have a positive image of divine feminine that she was never going to get in school, that she was never going to celebrate. And, and when she got to her undergrad in college, one of her teachers came to her with my book and said, is this your mom? And I was so happy. I was like, this is great. I don't need to win a million awards. I just need to know that my daughter knows that there's truth out there and there's somebody who cares and somebody who really took the time to find the truth of this information and put it out there for people. So what was your first book? Voodoo and Afro-Caribbean Paganism. It's being reprinted this year by Warlock Press. So I'm so happy. It's been out of print for like a dozen years now, and, and it was going for $500. I was just, I felt, I didn't get that money. I felt bad for people because they didn't have the information, but I'm glad it's going to be back out there again, hopefully by the end of June. That's beautiful. Yeah, like I said, it's a new age. It's, everything's opening up. People are opening up. Um, even with the, the what seemed, because I know a lot of people have asked me, well, what do you think of this new, like, witches are cool and, you know, Sephora has the witch line of yeah. makeup or this. And I'm like, it is great. It is great. Even if somebody, you know, whatever percent of people, oh, great. Oh, this might be a path for me. This might be a belief sure. system. At least it's an awareness of something that's different out there. It, it, it's stepping into things. I think it's fabulous. No, I think the more that we get it out there, out of the broom closet, so as people say, that that the more people are going to know that, yeah, witches are people that are perfectly normal. They're not necessarily hiding in the basement, biting the heads off of rodents or something like that. <laughs> They're out there doing good things. <clears throat> And yeah. I, I always say that I haven't eaten a baby in decades. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Really? No. <laughs> no, no. Um, what has been your biggest challenge? I mean, because you have a big path, a beautiful path, a very public path, and you're a teacher and a leader. What, do you, what has been your biggest challenge, do you think? I think there's still a lot of stereotypes. I still, I think there's still a lot of inequity out there in all the different circles that I travel, academia or entertainment, or publishing, or, you know, it's always been a struggle for me as a black woman. I talk about how I went to film school for my undergrad and, and I went to NYU right after Spike Lee was there. And I was the only black woman in a class of over 400 people. So it was a challenge to get my voice out there. And it's still, unfortunately, over 20 years later, a challenge to get my voice out there. And I'm not really sure why. I don't, you know, it, it's not because it's not there. I, I have the most popular voodoo blog in the world. I have all these books, like you just said. I have, you know, all this social media, but it's still a struggle to get attention. And I'm not, like I said, I don't know why. Yeah, well, we're getting there. Thank Climbing you. Up the mountain. <laughs> See, I, I do understand that world, the, the film school world. I, I, I'm in Hollywood and I grew up in the entertainment industry and I get that world. And yes, it is still very off kilter, very off balance. They're working on it, both color and gender and everything like that. There's a new awareness. That's the first step. But the academia world, that's not my world at all. My very first coven that I was with for 
oh my God, a, two decades, I think. They were all professors at colleges and things. And, and talk about foreign language to me, I don't understand it at all. So how is it being you, this magical person in the world of academia? I think it was always a challenge. I think it's a challenge the same way to get, I don't know what you, word to use because people said muggles is insulting. So I don't, non-magical people, okay? <laughs> I use the word muggles, is that insulting? People have told me it's insulting. I didn't think it was insulting. I wasn't using it in a bad, I was just using it to mean non-magical. But I think it's a challenge getting them to understand what it is we're talking about and getting them to see things or just have an open mind really, because you have to have an open mind to do magic. So that was a really big struggle when I was in academia, just getting it out there and getting the information out there. And also just because a lot of what I study is an oral tradition. So it's not, I can't go back to hundreds of years worth of documents about these things because it was like, you know, marginalized, depressed and, and disadvantaged people. And they didn't have the resources that the, again, the patriarchy had to write history. So the fact that I was coming up with some of these things was always challenged on every level because that's just not what they're used to. And that was a big change for them. And I still think, again, like it's, it's not as recognized as it should be. I remember going to my reunion maybe seven or eight years ago and me and my friend who also makes films, she's Puerto Rican, and we were there and we were like, we're still in the minority ethnically. And we looked at the list of accomplishments and my five books were not on the list and her two Emmys were not on the list. And we went, wow, we're not even getting, you know, we, between the two of us, we have all these fantastic accomplishments and nobody's still even noticing, you know, we're out there doing the work and everybody else is bigging themselves up and, and getting written up places. That's amazing. Yeah. Again, long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But still, but you're doing it. Um, what is your again a magical life? And I understand magical lives are the best. What do you What do you think if you said somebody said what is your most a magical or inspiring? Do you have a one incident or whether it's with a student or a magical thing or miraculous whatever? Do you have that story? I think probably the most magical thing was. The first time I performed at Bonnaroo with Dr. John, it was amazing to me. I mean, I'd been on Broadway before and things like that, but I'd never performed in front of, you know, over 10,000 people at once. So that was a little daunting. <laughs> and he said to me, he's like, this was back in the Bush administration. He said, we're going to hex the president. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we went and hexed the president on stage in front of over 10,000 people. That was beautiful because I just, I mean, I can dream big, but I really had never even imagined something as fantastic and amazing as that was going to be able to happen. So there were so many beautiful times with him, but that to me was just like a wow kind of moment. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah, that's a lot of people. I have, I have not done that many people. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of them. I mean, there's a lot of them have been happening even through the pandemic. Like I said, I got a, a letter the other day from someone who said they had borrowed my first book from the library and read it under their covers with a flashlight because their uber religious father would have taken it away from them. And then they kept it because... <laughs> 
And I was like, don't steal from the library. But like the fact that she had kept it for 20 plus years and just hit it and, and cherished it. And it made her realize that she was really okay. I mean, I almost started crying that I could do that for somebody and I could make them feel okay and, and make them not feel this level of oppression that was coming again from their birth family. That's beautiful. Yeah, don't steal from the library, but glad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if libraries are open yet here in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Oh. It's, yeah, it's, but we're coming back. We're coming back. So, because there's my neighborhood, though, speaking of libraries, and I'm just starting to put magical books around, we have little free public libraries. We build these little wooden boxes. We do too, yes. <laughs> do you do that? I love this trend in this modern technology. Nobody's off Zoom, nobody's off anything else. Here's a little box with books in it. So I just inherited this whole amazing books of magical books from every tradition. And I'm walking around, there's just putting a couple in each. Oh, nice. oh there's more than Stephen King and whoever else. <laughs> That's beautiful. I did that before I moved. I moved Brooklyn at the beginning of the pandemic and and I had so much stuff and we were driving it in a rental truck down here so I just went around and went to all the free libraries and now everybody my library spread all over <laughs> so, it's great it's so you don't have to steal from libraries anymore no no <laughs> um what would your advice, I don't know why I'm talking about young people today, I'm just got this young people, if, what would your advice for your, I mean, you're a very accomplished person and gone, done what you wanted to do, for you, but I remember being those preteen, early teen years, what would your advice for your like 13 year old self be or the next 13 year old down the street? Oh, let's see. Okay, first of all, it'll be okay. <laughs> Because I think there's just so many things when you're young, you know, hormones and, and life in general and, and struggles that you really, there's sometimes it feels like you're never going to get out of it. In Haiti, they have a loa, which is the name for their gods, goddesses, spirits that are there. That's called Kuzen Azaka. And Azaka is the field hand. And Azaka has to go out and work in the fields all day in the hot sun, in the, the pouring rain, and just keep working and working and working and praying that the crop is going to come in. And for me, that's what being a teenager is like. It's you're out there and you've got schoolwork to do and you've got work to do for your family and you've got work to do for your extracurriculars and you're worried about getting into college. You're worried about all these things and there's so much that's out of your control. And you don't even necessarily know if the harvest is going to come in. So my reminder for you is that the harvest is going to come in. And if you put in the time and the effort, whatever is right for you is going to come. Maybe you won't get into your number one topic of school, but maybe you'll get into your number two. And there you'll meet somebody who's going to set you up with the best job ever. And you're going to meet your partner and you're going to meet all these wonderful people. So don't get so hung up on one specific outcome. Just do your best and realize that wherever you end up, is the best place for you because you don't know what the universe has in store for you. You know, I mean, I was very hell bent on going to the school I wanted to go to, but I just described my challenges and I'm not so sure I wouldn't have been better off somewhere else necessarily. So you don't know. Yeah, I know that's not really inspiring, but that's what I got. <laughs> no, no, that is inspiring because again, <laughs> certain things that I thought and I wanted and that were thrown in my face. I'm so grateful for it years later. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank goodness I didn't get that or couldn't do that. I just changed everything in my life. So, you know, it's just like, okay, I get it. So 
That was very good advice. Oh, okay. Well, you can, you have a different perspective when you see it from this side of things. You know yeah. what I mean? You really do. And my daughter was hell bent on going to Yale. She got into Harvard, but she really wanted to go to Yale. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was just like, what? You know, <laughs> but you never know. Now she's horrendously successful and very happy and she loves where she is and what she's doing. So. See, that, that works. Okay, I have a very big paranormal audience because of my work on ghost adventures and other shows. So what is your experience with other worlds uh, getting into the ghosty world and things like that? Or belief system was this? I think I always knew ghosts were, were around. You know, I'm sure a lot of people will understand when I say I had imaginary friends that I now know that were ghosts. Like, 100%. I just thought, yep. oh, yeah. You're this person who lives over here in the dark corner of the basement, you know? So I think that it was just sort of, I, I knew they were there. I always had a lot of people around to next to me, close to me, family, friends, otherwise that had passed on. So I was very, I mean, I knew their energy was always there, even though they were gone. They would send me messages. They'd leave me things. They'd have poltergeist activity and knock stuff around if I wasn't paying attention. So I just sort of, I guess, in a way, learned how to fix, I guess that's the best word, because that's the hoodoo word for it, fix the environment so that the energies that I wanted to come through, you know, when I was eating breakfast came through and the ones I didn't want to knew that they had to wait till later or to, you know, go somewhere else. So I think that just me, we ended up in an agreement the same way I have an agreement with living beings that I can see, you know, that that's just how I, I work it out. That is perfect. And that's exactly where I was going to go next. Because what I know, I was, what I notice is that in activity, like the veil between the worlds is thinning now, for whatever reason, whether it's astrological, or whether it's the age we're going into, it, it seems to be getting more active, and more people are getting concerned at what's going on. In your work, do you work help with people get ghosts and, and spirits in line and clearings and things like that? Yeah, I do. It's more individual based. We're less about the spirit and more about the person. Like, why are you having the spirit contact? What do you need to do in order to help yourself? Which works well with the pandemic because, you know, normally I would have to go to somebody's space yeah. to clear it out or something like that. But this is more of how people can be empowered to do these things for themselves and take care of those things for themselves. Like, obviously, if you need to bring in the big kahuna, then you need to bring in the big kahuna. But there's a lot of little things that I recommend for people, you know, things like salt water under the bed if you're being plagued by nightmares or visits in your sleep and stuff like that that people can do as a just sort of temporary kind of thing to make things better. Because if you can't get a good night's sleep, then you're not going to be any good to yourself or anybody else. So that's usually the first thing I do when we start getting these things together. But yeah, I help people. Usually we do readings first and just figure out what's going on. Yeah, good, good. Me too, because I've noticed that too. Same thing, individual working from the person out and then just teaching them again that to not give their power away to whatever it is, whether it's spirit world or other people, because that that's the biggest trait I see that our, one of our human weaknesses are, is that we give our power away all the time. It's true. It's true. I think 
that we have preconceived notions that it's hard to get rid of, you know, and I think that you bring your own self to the table and those ideas, whether you realize they're there or not. But if you, one of my God kids said to me once, what do you do if somebody came over to play D&D and they invited Satan into the living room? And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, what's in your living room? You know, but when we uncovered it, we realized he had all these preconceived notions about what that meant and the power of this person and not enough faith in his own power to protect his space, you know, so where it was kind of funny to begin with, it really did become a situation where I could explain to him, wait a minute, you know, you've put down salt, you've put down black salt, you've burned incense, you've you know, smudged, you Palo Santo, you've done all of those things to protect your space. So just because you have somebody say something that freaks you out a little bit, that doesn't necessarily mean all of that went to crap. You know, right. you're str a strong person and you can trust yourself in that situation and don't have this person over anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, again, give, it's giving your way your power to that person. Then mm -hmm. there, we do it to people, belief systems, fear, <clears throat> all that all that thing um we have a few more minutes left yay so what's next for you do you have do you have any projects or anything you're excited about or anything we should know about i do i do well like i said there's going to be the reprint which is going to be called voodoo and african traditional religion i got to go out in the swamp with my machete for the cover photo shoot that was wonderful we put in a whole new chapter about uh protest and protection you know in the the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement. So there's a whole real section about people of color and LGBTQIA people who are out there and their lives are really threatened, just trying to struggle to get basic human rights. And I thought it was very important for these times to include a chapter about that. So I'm excited about that. And the other thing I'm excited about is I'm opening a Voodoo B&B &B here in New Orleans. So it's going to be kind of like a living museum with a whole bunch of magical stuff. And people can come and stay and they can book a reading and they can stay and they can just enjoy the city. So I'm excited about that, too. That is beautiful. That is wow. And do you know when that's going to open yet? I'm hoping it'll be open by the end of the summer. Nobody wants to stay in the summer anyway, so um, <laughs> it gets hot down here. <laughs> that yes. is beautiful. Yes, yes. Um, mm, I just all these. I just have so many questions to ask, and they're just. <clears throat> I, 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 okay, what is your favorite word? You're a wordsmith. I can see that, and yeah. your importance of words. What is your favorite word? The first thing that came to mind was copacetic. It was invented by Louis Armstrong. <laughs> was it really? Yes. Things that's, are a, that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a good question, and that's a great answer. Yeah, copacetic. yeah. Copacetic. Yeah. Uh, and Louis Armstrong invented it? That's what I heard, you know. I mean, I don't necessarily know if that's true, but I have read that in more than one place that he invented that word. Wow. wow. <laughs> so how important, again, obviously, Dr. John, is music to you in your life, in your... I love music. It's funny. It's always one of those things that I thought I was not good enough, you know, even though I grew up singing on Broadway and, and a couple of the people, it was a children's theater group, and a couple of the people in there have gone on to win Grammys. And at the time, I remember them both thinking that they didn't sing as well as I did. So <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so 
just always been there, but I consider myself more of a dancer. That's just how I process information and express myself to other people and things like that. So I didn't really sort of take up the music side of things. Uh, but it's always been there. I've always been around musicians. I mean, working with Dr. John Mack was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, being able to bring the history and the magic of the New Orleans voodoo dances to the stage with him was just phenomenal. And, and the people that I saw and the people that I got to meet were really fantastic. Uh, no offense to his son or his granddaughter, but he was like a dad to me. He really was. And he was just so much fun to be around and to work with. And like I said, I've worked with other musicians over the years and there really is an interplay, I think, because that's where rock and roll comes from, rock and roll music. These are the forms, these are the rhythms have been playing for hundreds of years and they really do move people. I agree. And I think dance is part of music. Again, it's that to me, music in all of its forms are the purest form of magic, are the purest form to connect to spirit, whatever that is. And you don't have to have spirituality or religion to do it. It's just I am married to a drummer. I am a former dancer. Nothing like your kind of a dancer, uh, though that is I love moving with spirit. But my my claim to fame was I got to dance with Gregory Hines. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! I I met him when I was a kid. (laughs) I was me too. I was a tapper. Tap was my strong suit. So. But it was like Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines. And I did this movie with him and he wasn't even dancing in it. And I was, you know, hired by somebody else, choreographed by somebody else. And then all of a sudden he's like, why is somebody else choreographing this movie? And I'm like, yeah. So I got to spend a week with him. And it was it was one of those when you meet one of your idols and they're everything they would be and more the sweetest man. So that's that's why I just want my music and your dance and you choreograph because that's life. And it is energy. It is. I take in in all my practices. I take everything down to energy. What I feel, what I even see, energy. So you seem like you are so in tune with the energy, whatever template or word you put on top of it. So I would say you have to be really gifted that way. Oh, thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I just see what is coming off of you. Um, so if people, and they're going to, want to get a hold of you, how is the best way for people to find you, Miss Lilith? They can check out my website, lilithdorsey.com, and uh, I hope they also check out my books and my blog, Buddha Universe. So uh, there's lots of stuff on there for free. And <laughs> I hope everybody checks out the website because, like I said, they can get a hold of me there if they need a reading or if they want to see where my we're starting with public appearances. I think I have one in August and one in September. So we're starting getting these things back on the calendar again. And as I said, hopefully the B&B will be up soon, too. That is beautiful. Well, I plan to be in New Orleans in October for an event. I'm going to come Yay. see you. I want to come check out your B&B. Uh, and, and I'm starting to travel a little bit too. I've got in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Salem, my very first trip to Salem. I'm oh, really nice. excited to do little events are just popping up, humans <laughs> coming together for the first mm-hmm. time. Ah, so, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, before we go, again, I am just so impressed with you, your energy, your knowledge, your depth. It, it, any last words of wisdom you want for my beautiful wishing hour folks out there? Just stay true to yourself and love each other. There we go. I know it sounds trite and silly, but it's important. <laughs> yeah, I think that's 
Number one of everything. It's love. Just love. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Lilith Dorsey, for being a guest on The Witching Hour. I hope to have you back because I do have a list of like 48 things. Funny, oh, good. Yay. I would love to. Back. Thank you. And <laughs> everybody else, please check out Lilith Dorsey, her website, the website, the blog, Voodoo Queen. There's magic right here. And it's beautiful human. And a lot of water. <laughs> with fire, with it. You've got it all. <laughs> so my name is Patty Negri and you have been listening to The Witching Hour. Come back next week. <laughs>